We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Pro School Podcast. I, I, I'm laughing because uh, life is just so great as a Knicks fan right now. Uh, Jeremy Cohen, <laughs> I see you are laughing as well. I am. How you doing, bud? I'm great. You know why, John? Why? <laughs> I'm not stuck in a closet in Florida. So <laughs> things are going well. I'm in the comfort of my own home now. Holidays are coming up. It'll be great. So uh, it's nice to not be there and glad to be back. Did you take pictures of the closet to uh, reminisce about in case you find yourself uh, fondly wishing for what was? Fondly wishing for what was in Orlando? Yes. No, I did not. It was, uh, first of all, they gave me, it was like the, it wasn't even a closet. It was a wall. They gave me a three bedroom hotel room but all of the beds were essentially children's size. And I was there for three nights. So I was thinking, do I, do I do like a Goldilocks and a three bears type of thing where I, I'm in each bed every night? I didn't want to do that to the cleaning people. I thought that would be too much. So I stayed in one. But yeah, it was. I'm in my own bed now. It's great. Um, Man, that's uh, that's great. That's I mean, hey, shout out to Orlando, one of our great American cities. Uh, whooped up on Indiana today. We should mm-hmm. shout, shout out to them. Good, good basketball yeah. team right now. Indeed. Um, that'll that'll be enough magic talk for right now. Uh, because the Knicks, the Knicks, the Knicks, the Knicks. Um, you know what's fun? Jeremy is uh, talking about the Knicks when they're playing well, and like, <clears throat> I'm trying to remember a time since we've been doing this podcast. I mean, obviously there are some years that we don't even need to think about because they were god awful. But even last year. And certainly the we here uh, season, or if you want to throw in like early in 21, 22, where there was just a very uh, definite sense of comfort in the fact that they are good. And like, look, they're they're They have three games coming up against the Timberwolves, Miami and, and, you know, the Suns, and like they could lose any of those games, but like, I, I don't know. I just I don't I can't remember the last time I felt quite this way 
as a Nick fan, like we've had moments of euphoria, like win streaks and like this and that, but just this like very stable, like the ground isn't shaking. It's just like I, in and of itself, I guess that's kind of unnerving, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, look, at the end of the day, it's a team that doesn't have a star. So why are we caring? <laughs> it's a great team. This is a really solid, stable, consistent team that's fun to watch. And they've got contributors every single night when it's the next man up. And the thing is, it's not even new because this is the same team as last year with yeah. really one addition and internal growth from key contributors. So is that why we're seeing this, though? Because what you just said, because it's the same exact team and it's like, what team has a better chance of knowing itself and executing on on like kind of what they know how to do than a team that has been together for so long? This is, a pl- this is a team filled with players that know their roles and that will help out when one man goes down. And I think that's that's all you could ask for. It's a deep team and yeah. they have the ability to get better both internally and making moves as the season goes on. So uh, it's exciting. There are things to work on, but we're looking at it franchise right now that it's just stability but it's more than stability because it's actually success stability would just be oh well the ship is we're past that point the ship has been righted it was righted a while ago yeah and right now as we keep going it's a long season of course but assuming this team continues on the path that it's going we're talking about a franchise that would have been i mean they would have had three out of four successful seasons again i'm trying it's to wild. put the cart for the horse here but that's it shouldn't be a surprise that this team can beat Atlanta on the road and then beat Washington. Didn't, you know, they, they pulled away when they needed to, but still one, they beat up on a bad team. And then the next night took care of business pretty much the whole way against Charlotte. I mean, really good teams beat up on bad teams. That's what the Knicks have done. The moments where it's felt fraught have been against contenders, or as we talked about, on the second night of a back-to-back against yes. teams that aren't the Charlotte Hornets, for example. So it's, it's to me, it's expected. Like they should be taking care of business and not, not in a way that's like, I can't believe they didn't do it if, if that's, if they aren't able to, but just it's, it speaks to the level of confidence I have in this basketball team to be able to keep pushing forward. Yeah. I think we're, we're definitely feeling good right now in part because of the games that you just mentioned and who they were against. I mean, been like trumpeting the the song of of parody um since the offseason and i think that's true to an extent however we are seeing a bottom i don't know bottom eight bottom six seven eight ish right emerge like the bulls i don't know what the hell <laughs> the bulls they had quite a game against the miami heat last night um so they, hey, their fans their fans said they're better than the knicks and who are we to disagree with them right i i'm good i mean <laughs> i'm glad they could put that under their pillow at night mm-hmm. let, let me know if the if the fan fan fairy comes and rewards them i don't, I don't know where i'm going with that um anyway there's a <laughs> there's like a bottom part of the league and I think there's like a there is like a top part of the league, but the top part of the league is confusing because like I have Denver, uh, Cleveland on right now, and like Donovan Mitchell's not playing for the Cavs, and uh, the Nuggets who are granted without Jamal Murray are getting smoked and just don't don't look great. Like aside from the Celtics, who I still do kind of feel are in a maybe not a tier of their own, but they just have so much firepower. Like the rest of the top 20, 21, 22, 23, whatever you want to call it is like sort of fluid um, 
in that like you you have teams that can I don't want to say like everybody in that group is capable of beating any other one in that group like on any given night to some extent. So I do still think the Knicks season is going to be defined by like how they do against those other again like 20 ish teams. So far they've done fine against them and maybe the formula for them this year is similar to the formula like kind of last year and kind of 3 years ago which is like we take care of business against the teams we're supposed to take care of business against. We win you know, more games than we don't against everybody else. And then we show up and it's like, whatever it is, 40, a high 40 win, high forties win team. I would agree. That's, that is what their role is. And I'm sure there are going to be a lot of fans who are saying, well, I care about the playoffs, but it's also the journey part of it too, where you keep building your case and finding things yes. that can then build off for the playoffs. Like Dante DiVincenzo scoring, 25 points. That's great. It yeah. also goes to show that that's someone you can rely on moving forward as a key piece to your well, team. And hey, maybe maybe actually giving a mid-level exceptions here wasn't such a bad idea to uh, those who poo-pooed that idea as recently as a couple weeks ago. Because I'll tell you, adding talent for just cap space, it wasn't even cap space, for, for, for an exception. Money. I mean, just using money. Sure, to add just money, right? Uh, like, if you want to make it all about, oh, well, the Knicks got DiVincenzo and two meh to bad second round picks for Obi Toppin. Like we could we could do that if we want to. But I can also tell you please God that, no. <laughs> the good news is that DiVincenzo is adding productive basketball to the Knicks right now. And that should continue to be the case because that's the type of player that they signed for a reason. It wasn't just because of a Villanova connection where let's make Jalen Brunson happy and all that. He's not he's not Ryan Archidiacono paid times ten or times eight, whatever the the math shakes out to. <laughs> It's it's a completely different story because it's a rotational player who's good at basketball, who happened to be a free agent, an unrestricted one, and the Knicks were able to sign him. The good so. at basketball part is, is kind of important there, and I feel like that was it glossed is. over in, in some of the discourse. Um, we'll talk, let's talk about DiVincenzo now. I want to get back to the idea of, um, like, are they, like, if there is an elite class in the NBA, are the Knicks part of it? Because uh, we're going to play a little game of true or false. This is courtesy of our esteemed producer, um, GMAC, who is is not here right now. APJP is on the ones and twos, but Andrew Claudio being the um, you know, th- there are no rainy days. That's the sort sort of producer he is. No no rainy days for Andrew Claudio. Um, uh, he he still gave us a little gimmick to do tonight. So let's get into it. Um, three true or falses, which we'll kind of figure out our way through. Um, the first one. I'll ask you, true or false, and then I I'll, I'll, let me see what your answer is. The Knicks should make a starting lineup change with Dante DiVincenzo and Quentin Grimes. Before I get your answer, Jeremy, I'm going to refer to the uh, lovely Google document here, which refers me to the Knicks' existing starting lineup, which has played 240 possessions this season. No, is that am I reading this right? Yeah, they've played 240 possessions this season. Um, they are a plus. 17.9 in that time. Um, they have a 65th percentile offense and an 88th percentile defense. Um, my goodness gracious, that is a lofty number. And um, I probably just as notably, uh, their most used backup unit. Oh, wait, no, I'm, I'm misreading this. No, you, I've, you. I, I've, I've loved this. See, this is why we need GMAC <laughs> here to be like, no, you idiot. I think. What I'm actually looking at here is the 
five the the all of the lineups with Mitchell Robinson, Julius Randle, and Jalen Brunson. Is that more accurate? Yes. Okay. Fantastic. Those lineups, 511 possessions, are plus 11.6. So not quite as good as plus 17.9. Um, the one with Grimes in it, the actual starting lineup that we're used to, that's plus 17.9. Um but what I was looking for is the backup unit, and that's like that on here. So I, I, so I've really I have the backup this. unit. So what is the backup I, unit? That's what I was looking for. So I, I like to answer the question, and I will go with um, false. The Knicks should not make a starting lineup change with Dante DiVincenzo by swapping out Quentin Grimes. And here's why. Uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But also, on a, on a larger note, it's a really good lineup. I know that Grimes' yes. pure stats do not reflect that. I know that defense can be hard to quantify, but when you're looking at a team where their most used lineup, the starting lineup that we are very familiar with, that was their last season, has continuity, has played 240 minutes this season so far, um, 84th percentile, as you said, and the offensive side, 65th percentile, and the defensive 88th percentile. If you I was look going at the, crazy. Just, I want to note that. I was just looking Correct. for something that wasn't there, and it threw me off. You're, you're totally good. The lineup that you're talking about, though, John, the backup one, with Quickly, yes. DiVincenzo, Hart, and in this case, it's uh, actually um, Barrett and yes. Hartenstein. That one is the 73rd percentile overall. That's plus 7.2. Which 10. is very good. 7 uh, less in, um, in about half the time. It's like 123 minutes. 69th percentile offense, 51st percentile defense. The way that I see it is you have two units with your nine-man rotation when everyone's healthy that are working. So why necessarily go through the process of trying to figure out what works when you know what works. It's not to say that there couldn't be other things to explore, right? There's always, there are always avenues to explore and injuries can sometimes also make that happen where you can learn a lot from it as well. But there's the aspect of Grimes and his matchup difficulty where Grimes consistently takes on the toughest offensive players, specifically in this case, the lead ball handler, the point guard. That's not really what DiVincenzo does. That's not quite no. his role. It's not, um, it's not his role at all. He's more off ball. He's more of a helper. He's, you know, he can be more of a chaser, but he's not going to be matching up one V one with some of the best dribble drive players in the game and having him especially work against backups makes him look a lot better. Grimes is a better defender utilizing Grimes in a different role when he would be best served play. I mean, we, here's a perfect example. We saw in the Atlanta Hawks game, Every time Trey Young came in, Quentin Grimes was there. Tibbs made it so that Grimes would match up with Trey Young. And when Grimes left the game with the sprained wrist, Trey Young played really well. Mm. And I feel like that is a test case for how Grimes operates on the defensive level and just moving him for DiVincenzo because DiVincenzo has hit more threes and scored more points and done this and that. It misses the larger point here where Grimes is a lot of the dirty work not he's that's, not like Mitchell Robinson, but he's he's the guy who does the unheralded stuff on the perimeter where we can say afterwards, look at how how few points this player was held to or how few assists this player got as a result of being guarded by Grimes. So I am against changing it because we we have multiple now multiple seasons worth of proof of what his impact can be when he's a starting uh, second uh, starting shooting guard. 
I will also go false for this. And I'm going to try not to repeat anything you said because you covered a lot of it. Um, I would also just know you brought up Trey Young. I'll, I'll bring up LaMelo Ball, who when I mean, was having it didn't end up mattering because it was the Hornets and like they have some issues and like they don't defend. Um, but like LaMelo Ball was getting whatever he wanted um, in that game. And there is like dominoes that fall from Quentin Grimes not being in the starting lineup, which is like, OK, well, then we can't put our next best defender on like their next off best offensive player and like the whole thing. And, you know, we saw Brandon Miller go off and it's just I'm happy you said like like Mitch. Yeah, he does the dirty work. Also, Mitch does get glorified because Mitch does get to get some numbers out of it. He gets the offensive rebounds. and He's on pace for for having one of the greatest offensive rebounding seasons of all time. Like he's the guy that's going to get the lion's share of the credit if they wind up a top five defense at the end of the year because he's the man in the middle and everybody knows how important he is. You want to talk about a guy that gets absolutely no glory and only. Um, there's there's an analogy here that I'm, I'm is an obvious one that I'm missing. What's someone that like only gets noticed if they do a bad job? There's like some well known thing that of course I'm it's on the tip of my tongue and I think do well. <laughs> yeah, whatever. That's Grimes. If Grimes isn't hitting his open threes, he's going to get noticed. If he's hitting his open threes, it's like well you're supposed to hit your open threes. That's your only job here, right? Um, or if a, if an offensive player does get going against him, it stands out, right? Um, the reason I guess I, 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 I don't want it, this to come off as like anyone who thinks not that even Chenzo should be starting for the Knicks is insane is because I do think that they're a better offensive team with him in there. And as far as the defensive end goes, and again, this is it, like, I don't know how much of this you could judge against Charlotte, but it's. His ability to generate turnovers, Steven Chenzo, and there, you know, which is something that Grimes, I mean, Grimes is a great defender. He doesn't quite do that. You know, Steven Chenzo is a riverboat gambler, um, which can be a, a blessing and a curse against Charlotte. He got two steals in the first like five minutes of the game. It was a blessing. It helped set the tone. That won't always be the case. And then just the last thing I'll say, I would always perhaps caution against making judgments after a guy has had a, a night in which he had career high in points. Career high and made field goals, tied his career high and made field goals, and and set a career high and made threes. Um, let's you know hit the brakes a little bit. That's all. That's all I'm asking. It's not a crazy thing. Again, it's not crazy, but for all the reasons you said, and you summed them up very well. Um, I, I think we should keep things as well. It's also the corner three aspects. When you look at a starting five as well, right? A lot of the Ideally, it's like imagine having five players who could create, who are double digit scorers, who are going to win with high offense. And very rarely is a team comprised of that because they're players that need to sacrifice. You cannot have a bunch of high usage players coming together. It doesn't work quite in the way that we might hope. So having it. And I mean, John, you've certainly studied Tibbs teams in the past. There are plenty of mostly two guards who have been on the team that are just off ball players who do the dirty work and they're comfortable with it. And as long as Grimes has the quick trigger and is hitting corner threes and defending really well, we don't need a ton of creation. It'd be nice, but it's also, we're talking about a player who is in his third year. There's time for him to grow. He could also stand to benefit by improving, by playing, by playing the best competition, by playing the best competition in the starting lineup, because that's typically where he faces off against those guys. So I, I agree with you. It's not 
absolutely outlandish to think, how could you put Dante DiVincenzo with Grimes? But it's just a matter of like ignoring what you have already in the starting lineup being really productive and keeping this team to gel. And they're only going to keep building off of that. And that's the last thing I'm happy you brought it up is like, what's best for Grimes should also be part of this conversation. I think there's, there's arguments on both sides. Um, but I tend to agree with you. I, I think he'll benefit more from being on the floor more with the team's most talented players. Um, you know, the offense gets a little extra juice when DiVincenzo's in there. There will be a time and a place for that. I'm not sure. It, or maybe there'll be a time and a place for that. I'm not sure it's, it's right now. Okay. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, let's move on to second uh, true or false. True or false, Jalen Brunson's three-point shooting is sustainable. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm about to say what it is. And changes the ceiling of this team if he's able to play off-ball this effectively. Um, so, Brunson, currently shooting 47.7% on um, almost seven three-point attempts per 36 minutes. He leads the NBA in three-point percentage uh, going into this recording. Uh, uh, among those players who have shot at least 83s um and i'll add just a couple of things one he actually went through a three-point shooting slump there was a five or six game stretch that started with um i think the pelicans game it where yeah it was the pelicans was the third game of the season where he hit uh 25 from deep and then the last six games i think he's been at 55 percent. i mean it's it's insane, which is why I laughed when Andrew wrote is the sustainable. I mean, no, at this level, it's not sustainable. And then the other thing I want to add, though, yes, he's hitting all the uh, catch and shoots. A lot of these are pull-ups. Um, I haven't checked the stats today, but going into the Hornet game, exactly half of his attempts and exactly half of his makes were on pull-up threes. So either way, um, well, I, I'll, I'll throw it to you. Let's keep it going back and forth. I'll, I'll throw it to you first, and then I'll I'll answer. I mean, do I think that forty-seven point seven percent is sustainable from deep? I do not. Uh, do with that said, the the ability to keep generating open looks for him off the catch and shoot is huge, right. and especially if he's able to keep making these shots because it's the pull up three has just become harder. I mean, he was very good at that last year, but. If memory serves of the 248 players last season who 
took at least 100 three-point attempts off of the catch and shoot. Brunson was second out of, out of I mean, yeah. that's a lot of players, and he was second in terms of that. Now, granted, the, the frequency, the attempts is going to be different, but there's clearly a reason why there was talk going into this season of, well, the Knicks feel Jalen Brunson is poised to take that next step, and it was that, giving him more opportunities to do exactly what he's good at is how you continue having dividends and getting more players who can space the floor and more threats. Why adding DiVincenzo was important. Why it's so great that RJ Barrett is shooting better from three. Why Julius Randle coming back from the injury uh, after a slow start is imperative. It opens everything for him and he opens things for them as well. He's going to be a scorer first, but at least if he's going to be a scorer first, he's hitting those shots that aren't just scoring. He's shooting the lights out as well. So I'm tempted to say false, but it, but it's almost like a two part question. Like I, it is sustainability is like, it's false, but in terms of changing the trajectory of the Knicks and their ceiling, I'm going to have to go with true. He doesn't need to continue shooting at this level. I mean, it could go down a few ticks and it's fine. The, the important part, and I'll refer back to his first two threes that he made against the Hornets on Saturday night. Uh, the first three, and this is, not, I mean, he's taken and made a lot like where this sort of thing has happened. Ishmith went under a screen. I'm actually not sure if it was his first, but it was two consecutive three-point makes in the first half. Um, Ishmith went under a screen, and without hesitation, um, Bronson fired away and made it. That was the deep one. It was, so actually, no, I don't think it was his first one. So, yeah. Um the next three-point shot he made, Ishmith was like, oh, shit, I guess I can't go under. He went over, and Mark Williams, who's been had a wonderful season um, for for Charlotte, he's he's already good. He's, he's going to be really good. He was in drop. We, we, all, we all know the ills of drop coverage here in New York. We don't have to talk about that again. But in this instance, Jalen Brunson, again, Ish went over. Mark Williams in drop. Again, Jalen Brunson's like, you're going to play drop on me? Fine. I'll fire away. Made it again. Mm-hmm. This equates to a player that you now need to... I'm not... Look, I'm not going to throw Steph's name around, but like, there are a handful of guards in the league that you just... You need... you Like, will tilt a defense to them when they are 25 feet from the basket. That is the trajectory that Jalen Brunson is heading. And it's early. It's early. This is like he really started to dip his, not dip his toe in the water, but like get it, like wade into the pool last year. Now he's like fully in the pool and he's getting really close to the deep end. And it is, it is sustaining because like if defenses have to guard him. And then the other part that goes hand in hand for me with the three point shooting is I think the passing has gotten better. So if you're going to get a guy that commands this level of attention above the arc and is making some of the passes, these like whip passes to the weak side corner and stuff. And then you throw in the, like, again, I I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but I think he's defending pretty well. He's not Mm -hmm. ever going to be an average defender, but he's defending well enough. All of that spells to me, a player who is not only getting better in and of his himself, but that's a guy that you could put alongside anybody and it's going to work because he's going to obviously be able to play on the ball. He's going to be able to play off the ball, you know, draw attention away the whole thing. I, I I'm, hmm, 
I don't know if I want to go. I'm 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 saying true because it does change their ceiling. I'm just like, man, we've had RJ Barrett taking a leap. Mitchell Robinson has kind of entered a new stratosphere. I would go so far as to say that this growth from Brunson in all of these areas is maybe a bigger deal than both of those things. I don't am I going too far? Because I might be. The growth from the offensive perspective of the three-point shooting? Just everything or, with Brunson, Brunson just getting better three-point shooting and then give him a little bit of credit, better passing, better defense. Mm-hmm. So from the defense per, defensive perspective, uh, last season, cleaning the glass had him for the uh, team efficiency on-off. He was in the fifth percentile on defense. Yeah. Uh, all the other advanced metrics would corroborate this. Yes. The year before that, in Dallas, he was in the 27th percentile. This year, he's in the 43rd percentile. It's better. That's... I mean, not only is that better, that's almost nine times better in terms of uh, percentiles than he was last season. So not having someone that you view as a black hole on the defensive end being, you know, mediocre, it does a lot for you. It changes so much of your team's dynamic that you can actually move forward. with. And then, as you're saying, the offensive side improving, it just feels like. It, it doesn't feel like a step. It feels like a leap. Mini leap. Yeah. It, it's exciting. And uh, I mean, look, he's again, we'll get to the playoffs and like, he's always going to be hunted in the playoffs, but that, those are good problems to have um, once mm-hmm. you get there. Okay. Um, last one. True or false. So we, we got a couple trues and a couple of falses here. Uh, the Knicks should be considered one of the five best teams in the NBA. So this is kind of what I was like hinting at earlier in terms of this like giant morass of teams in the NBA and like, can they be grouped like, and how should they be grouped? So here are some stats again, all these courtesy of um, Andrew Claudio via uh, NBA.com or maybe NBA.com via Andrew Claudio. Okay. They are 10th in offensive rating, fifth in defensive rating, fourth in net rating, first in offensive and defensive rebound percentage. I'm not sure when's the last time a team, um, I don't know if team has ever finished first in both of those categories. Uh, seventh in three-point percentage, 10th in three-point attempts per game, and then sixth in turnover percentage. Uh, the one stat that he doesn't have here, which I'm uh, actually going to look up right now just because I'm curious, is where they are in free throw rate because that's the other that was the other part of oh, the magic I, formula. I got that. Uh, don't cleaning worry. the glass. Oh, you do. So they're a little lower mm-hmm. than last year. They're 23rd. Um via cleaning the glass. I think they're a little bit higher in the NBA's page, but um, I'm not as worried about the free throw rate because they like they've just been firing away from three so much and they've been making so many of them. So like that's kind of a natural give and take. Uh, Jeremy, I'll turn to you again. Um, are the Knicks a top five team in the NBA? I'm going to go with no, but it's close. It's very close. Uh, free throw rate as well, I think. You know, I mean, this isn't exactly one-to-one, but having RJ obviously miss some games that should hopefully drive up the ability for the Knicks and drives per game and hence the free throws. I don't think they're a top five team because to me, I mean, are we saying they're a top five regular season team? Because we've seen teams like the Utah Jazz where they were a top five regular season team, but I wouldn't have them in the playoffs as a top five team. And sure enough, they flamed out before they were able to reach even really top five stage because they lost the second round. Playoffs but, are a different animal. But but yes, just, go ahead. Two different conversations because there's like mm-hmm. top five team in the NBA right now versus top five championship equity. Like, I don't know what, what the fuck are the Suns record? The, the Suns are a 500 team. They have not played well. They're, they're, they look not great. And Bradley Beal has played as many minutes for the Phoenix Suns 
Actually, no, he's sorry. I was going to say it's me or you. Did he? He got into a game, didn't he? Or did he? He did. The problem is that the big three that the big they three have, have yet as many, to play. Yeah. Yes. As many. Minutes. You, me, and Justin have combined for as many minutes <laughs> as uh, the Phoenix Suns big three. Correct. There you go. So, like, you know, I hope people aren't going to get upset about what I'm about to say, but like, the Suns have more championship equity than the Knicks. I'm, I'm sorry, that's just a, a fact. Um, they're not a better team right now. That's that's also a fact. So. Top five championship equity. I'm going to go with no. Do you th- are they a top five team right now? We let's say that through this season. Sure. At this point, yes, I would say they are. So just to kind of run through some numbers, the Knicks have the sixth best uh, net rate in it. Cleaning the glass has it's it's really different. They're the tenth best offense and the seventh best defense. Again, Andrew had these numbers as well. But one of the things is that he, that was not mentioned that I want to bring attention to is the efficiency. Right? I mean, a lot of the yeah. times it all comes down to well, how efficient is this team? That the effective field goal percentage is a major factor. This they're season, not last. they're not. This <laughs> they season, were the Knicks are. <laughs> uh, well, so that's, that's the thing. They were they're twenty sixth in the NBA right now. But if we break it down. If you look at the first, let's see, the first six games when they went two and four, they had the 28th ranked offense and they were 30th in terms of effective field goal percentage. Then once they started against the Clippers and everything moving forward as of this moment, uh, Sunday, November 19th in the evening with most of the games that have been played today, not reflected, but even still, uh, the Knicks are, they have the second best point differential or you know, second best differential according to cleaning the glass. Yep. They have the number one offense and they the have the seven games. Eighth best effective field goal percentage. That's... And a huge reason comes down to Julius Randle, where yep. the, those first six games, his effective field goal percentage was 31.8. The games that followed, the seven after, 50, uh, 50.7. So that is a swing of almost 19 points. And when you look at what his career is, I mean, career-wise from effect, or rather like last season for context, his effective field goal percentage was five uh, was 53.6. So he's working his way back to, he's still below where that was, which was also around slightly below average, but he's working his way back. And the point I'm getting at here is if this is a team where we can look holistically and say, yeah, they're really good, but true shooting percentage or effective field goal percentage, it's not great. If we root out the very early stuff, and I I don't want to manipulate the data, it's important, but it was also at a time that was it's most vulnerable where you're figuring things out, players are getting back, Randall's coming back from injury, all of that. Looking at this team, yes, as of this season, record-wise won't show it, but they they have been playing like a top five team. So grand scheme things, no. This season through what, 13 games, eight and five. Yes, uh, true. I'm going to pour in a few ounces of cold water on that only be- for this reason. You said they're eighth in effective field goal percentage over the last um, seven games. Over those last seven games, they were the number one three point shooting team in the NBA. They are absolutely they are. I have some notes on this in in Monday's newsletter, but in short, they are on a stretch right now that kind of rivals any stretch that the we've ever seen from this franchise in terms of proficiency from deep 43% on like high volume. Um, again, best in the league over the last seven games to be the best three point shooting team in the league over that amount of time on decent volume. 
and to be doing all the offensive rebounding that they do and to be a low turnover team and to still kind of only be eighth, it shows that there are still areas of this offense that have, you know, leave a little bit to be desired. Like they're still like not hitting any shots at the rim, which is kind of comical at this point. Um, so, but that said, is there a world where this team could be like top 15 in effective field goal percentage for the rest of the year? Sure. If they're top 15 in effective field goal percentage for the rest of the year, then they are absolutely going to be a top 10 offense for the entire season. That's without question because the other stuff that they do is very sustainable. And then if you throw in the defense um, and you assume the defense is going to maintain at a top five level, well, then you're right there in the top five. I'm going to, I'm going to, can I cheat? Sure. I'm going to cheat. Um, I think the Celtics are in a class of their own still. And I'm going to say that the Knicks are part of the next group, which I have as five teams. I have Minnesota uh, in no particular order, Minnesota, Denver, uh, Philadelphia, the Knicks. And maybe this is recency bias because I just watched them win an outstanding game of the year so far uh, against the uh, Golden State Warriors, the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think the Thunder need to be mentioned in this conversation. They are incredible right now. Mm hmm. Um, so yeah, they're they're going to be in that next group of five for me. Uh, with all the respect to the Milwaukee's and the Dallas's and the you know Miami's of the world, like there's there's a lot of really good teams right now. Um, okay, that was fun. That was good. Good job, by you, I, Yes, indeed. I also don't subscribe to the idea for based on what you're saying. They the Knicks will not finish eighth or like are unlikely to finish with the eighth best effective field goal percentage, even if they yes. hover around league average. I'm happy with it. That's fine. The average effective field percentage of them is absolutely sign me up. Throw a parade. Please, <laughs> I'll, I'll be the grandmaster of that parade. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Let's give out some game balls. Um, given to a player, coach, or entity that stood out this week. Every time I read it, I want to go back and watch Dead Reckoning. It's wrong with me. That <laughs> stood out this week and deserves special recognition. All stats are since the last show. Okay. Here we go. Jalen Brunson is averaging uh, almost 30 points, 29.3 on 47, 58, um, uh, 100 splits. He hasn't missed a free throw, I guess, this week. Um, shooting nine three-point attempts a game again in the last three games. Mitch. 20 offensive rebounds in the last three games. Leads the NBA with 78. The next closest is Kevon Looney with 52. Um, I'll go back to that one in a second. Julius Randle, 24, 7, and 8 on 50% shooting and 40% from three. Uh, we won't talk about his uh, free throw conversion rate, which is not, not, not great. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo, 11 for 20 from three this week. That's I didn't even realize it was that high. Um, and then Emmanuel quickly, clutch free throws versus Atlanta. Fourth quarter takeover back home versus DC. And I will also just note again, it seems silly to say now, the Charlotte game got a little tight. Um, I'm looking back at my notes in the fourth quarter, <laughs> and uh, Emmanuel quickly hit an, an important two to, to extend the lead from six to eight. It got to the lowest point it was six points, and he hit a, a nice bucket there. Um, 
Okay, I go first. I'm gonna leave you. I'm gonna leave you the the juicy one, and I'm gonna take Mitch only because and and you could consider this a, a shameless plug for the next film school newsletter. If you'd like, uh, I have no shame. So here are the players in NBA history, NBA history that have had more offensive rebounds over their first 13 games of a season, uh, more than Mitchell Robinson, 78 Jason Williams, uh, whose career and life kind of went sideways, um, did so with the New Jersey nets. Like he was an outstanding player, made an all-star team. He had two seasons where he had, this is insane, 97 and 92 offensive rebounds. Um, that's like, that's that's not a real number. Um, but he but here's the thing. He did so playing almost 500 minutes in both of those seasons. Dennis Rodman had 85 offensive rebounds through 13 games, playing 523 minutes um, in the 93-94 season. Moses Malone, 84 offensive rebounds, playing nearly 500 minutes, 498. Um, for the world, uh, no, actually, this was the year after the world championship 83 84 Philadelphia 76ers and Mitch. Here's the thing 78, so he's quite a bit behind the number one all time, Jason Williams, only played 386 minutes this year, Mitchell Robinson. So, like M- Mitchell Robinson, so if you go on a per minute basis, he's actually he he's had raised right there for the greatest offensive rebounding start to a season in NBA history. And, um, you know, I, he, he hasn't gotten a lot of recognition over the years. He's, he's getting some recognition this year. So he will get my, my game ball for this week. I'm glad that he's getting recognition. And a lot of it really stems to the emphasis that's on points and rebounds when it comes to centers where you could have really good defense, but again, it's hard to quantify defense. So it's looked at as well. How many boards are you getting? How many putbacks? How many, like, what can you do on the, on the offensive end? And now that Mitch is able to gravitate more towards gobbling up these boards, he's able to put more of a name for himself, which is well-deserved. It's just, it's unfortunate that that's where we identify values. Having to look at the offensive production for someone who's so good on the defense, not you, you're, I mean, you're totally fine. It's, it's collectively the, the general NBA scope of media and fans that just, more casual, not going to, or even those who do follow it religiously, they're just, there's more of a, of a profound impact on those players who are able to do more on the offensive end. And I, I look, I'm not going to sit here and we're not going to sit here and pretend like the fact that Mitch Robinson has offensive limitations. Don't like that. That doesn't matter. And like that won't, won't it reared its head in the Miami series. I'm sure it'll come up again. You know, if this team gets back to the playoffs and plays that sort of a high level playoff series, but his low uses does need to be taken with a, a grain of salt because just his presence as an offensive rebounding threat in and of itself is like, that is a threat, right? So he's not seeing the ball, but the fact that he's there, um, he's always there. And it's just like, you know, that, that, that kind of matters. So, okay. That's my game ball uh, to you, sir. Jalen Brunson, for the reasons that we talked about and more, just what a week, especially after a season that started a little, Funky. He he didn't just seem quite right. Now he's kind of gotten into the groove of things. I don't have as much concern over Jalen Brunson. I wasn't super worried to begin with, but a week like this certainly reinforced. Yeah, that guy's pretty good, and he's getting better, <laughs> and that's great because he's 27 years old. So just the stat line is still insane to me. 29.3 points per game on 48, 58, 100. 
if we're rounding up. Like that's just crazy. So pretty awesome. Real quick on Bronson, I have to I I noted this when it happened. The Knicks had had finally put the Hornets away on Saturday night, and they were up one sixteen to one oh two. And uh shout out to Benji um Ridholtz, who has been tracking when Brunson Brunson's people, you like you have been Brunson when he basically tricks them and uh, they get called for an offensive foul because they think he's going one way around the screen and he goes the other way. And he pulled off one of those with, again, Nick's had a 14 point lead with a minute 20 to go. And like, those hurt. Like, everyone, <laughs> like, he feels it. And like, we've seen Brunson talk about a guy who's just sacrificing his body, he's leading the league in charge, is taken. Um, mm-hmm. And like, that's the sort of dude he is. And it's like, I, I it sounds silly and hokey, but it, that kind of stuff matters to me, at least, you know, almost as much as like everything else he does, you know, on the court. So um, good pick. Good pick. Next section is going to be <laughs> next section is going to be a little light uh, detention given to a player, coach or entity that deserves to sit down for a while and think about what they did wrong. Nada. Um, they are undefeated since the last show. Detention is closed. although. You know, there was a football game on. I think it was just finishing up as we went to air play, uh, being played by a, a football team. That uh, I think they are a New York football team. And actually, they were playing another New York football team, but it's from a different part of New York. And um, I noticed the score and it did not seem like the one that plays closer to the city of New York. Was doing particularly well, so. Um, but it's not my pick, so I'm just going to throw it to you. I don't have anybody. Do, do, do you have someone for detention? Uh, not really. I mean, I'm, look, I'm not going to throw the Giants into detention for winning a game because I, I just I'm not going to be do funny that. if you did that. It, no, you it should would, throw the Giants. But, I'll throw the Jets in. But I don't want to throw the Giants in. They did their job. They look Tommy DeVito, <laughs> three touchdowns. Daniel Jones, I don't believe has had three touchdowns in like three seasons. So uh, I'm not saying that. Uh, TD is the future in New York, but uh, TD, there's Tommy DeVito, baby. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what I can tell you? You know that that Sunday sauce is going to taste extra. Oh good my God. It's going to be so the sweet. The gravy. Yeah. You get it. You know, you know. So, uh, no, I, I can't. What? <laughs> 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 Ridiculous. Oh God! No detention. That's no one can be in detention. We're good. You like a little, you like a little meat in your gravy, uh, Jeremy? <laughs> a little bit. Sometimes. Sure. Just a little, the old brushel. <laughs> okay, predictions. Here we go. As Jeremy's face has gotten red, like he was just. In, in it's red like the sauce. <laughs> that was good. That was a good Thanks. accent. Okay, we're all tied up. We're all tied up because um, Jeremy was a coward last week. Nothing else to say. I thought I was being optimistic, but you. I mean, I I always enjoy losing to you when it means the Knicks won more games than I thought. And and look, I I did say and I meant it. (laughs) Picking one and two like crossed my mind. Thankfully, I didn't go one and two. Thankfully, I didn't go two and one. They went three and zero. So it was my pick again. Um, Another three game week. So this is funny because this is like two straight three game weeks, and yet this portion of their schedule is hellacious because they play so many games in such a short period of time. So. Tonight, as you're listening to this, uh, Monday, November 20th, they're at Minnesota. And then um, I'm sure they're going to take a a very, very satisfying, rewarding uh, flight back to New York. And then they will not play again until after their bellies have been filled with uh, Thanksgiving turkey. 
Um, they play Friday, November 24th against the Miami Heat. That is an ESPN game and a uh, it's a is it a tournament game, in season tournament game. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. And then um, Sunday versus Phoenix. That's a six o'clock start against the Suns. Um, should note that there will be no uh, Tyler. In all likelihood, there'll be no Tyler Hero for the Miami game. He hasn't been playing in a while. He's, he should be out for that. And no Bradley Beal uh, for sure for the Phoenix game. <sighs> I mean, there's there's two choices here. Yeah, I'll, I'll make you do it. I'll, I'll go two and one. Well, oh, fuck it. <clears throat> All right. Yeah, I kind of expected that. I, I I get it. I'll go one and two. Don't like it because I think that they actually could. I I would imagine two and one is feasible. I just know that playing in Minnesota is going to be really tough. It's a great team, and I mean, Tommy, can they lose one of two against Miami Phoenix again? Like they could win tomorrow, right? But or win tonight if you're listening to this. But I will go one and two with that. I had a, I actually had as soon as I said it, I'm like, fuck, I should have picked one and two because then either way, I'm happy. I mean, unless they go zero and three, mm-hmm. but if I had picked one and two, you'd have picked two and one. If they go two and one, I'm happy. If they go one and two, at least I got the win as like a silver lining. And I'm thinking it through. Like, if they beat Minnesota in Minnesota, I'm feeling great. Because then I feel like they're what I feel good that they could win one of the next two, and and, and this kind of maybe this brings it full circle to how we started talking about this team at the top of the show. Let's say they lose in Minnesota again, very eminently possible. Like that Minnesota's been awesome, like they're really good. Um, I it's possible that they could win those next two against the Heat and Suns. Like that's I know I know I know you're not saying that anything otherwise because I again I picked two and one, so you had to pick the more light you know the reasonable choice. So yeah, let's uh, let's see if they make me look uh, look smart. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. I, I'll, I'll review. Yeah. I just want to say one more thing as well. Uh, yes. I want to shout out uh, our teammate, but especially my teammate on this, since he picked one of my games one week. Then we're, we're he and I are tethered to the hip, and uh, and Benji. I just want to say, uh, Benji. He posted this on Twitter where yeah. uh, Benji Zadie, his grandfather passed away the other day and Benji is someone who's uh, Zadie passed away on Thanksgiving a couple of years ago. I know how hard it can be, buddy. And uh, we all love you. We're, we're rooting for you. We're thinking of you and your family. And uh, yeah, well, I'm excited for us to confer on the next one and we'll, we'll figure out how to beat John moving forward. Yeah. I, I, uh, I spoke to Benji earlier today. I will just say for anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about, um, go, Check out uh, Benji's uh, Twitter feed because uh, he wrote uh, really just one of the most beautiful things I've ever very much seen so. about another human being. Um, so everybody should, you know, take the time to read that because uh, they they should do that. Uh, good good use of your time. Okie dokie uh, announcements. We have a few announcements. Uh, I will start and then pass it to you for the second announcement. Before we wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. KFS Watch a long time. Uh, that is, again, tonight, as you were listening to this, Knicks versus Wolves. It is the two of us, mm-hmm. John and Jeremy, and DJ Zulo. So we got um, I, we got whatever we do, and then someone to do the X's and O's <laughs> DJ. And he's he's great at that. I'm, I'm excited for that. I think I'd be shocked if it was not a, a close game uh, because the Knicks seem to play nothing but close games. And again, the Wolves are, the Wolves are good. So 
yeah um and check that out on the youtube channel and um also obviously shout out to all of our patrons who watch along on playback and also the games against the wolves have been close over the last couple of years it feels like they have just there have been some Tory Tori and Prince is not there to haunt the Knicks this time around, which is great. So someone else will will do that instead. What do you go eight for eight? He started yeah, eight for eight. eight or I something? mean, it was insane. Uh, Must have. I think it was like thirty seven points. Crazy. Yeah. Yes. On to our next uh, announcement, we have a very special one, which is that we have a new merch store. So you can go to our merch store. I'll be demonstrate it here. Um, it'll be Nick's, well, it's Nick Film School. So it's singular with Nick and then S K O O L, nickfilmschool.com. Uh, and there are all sorts of great options here. What we've got, um, I'm sure it will. Okay. So it's just doing the testing with the sharing. Let's go through it very quickly. Uh, got some cool shirts here, sweatshirts as well, light and dark. You got different joggers. We have hats, different colors hoodies um you can cycle through different colors that we've got here although for this one of course i picked the one where it's just one color uh if you look at the hats for example there are different beanies there's navy there's dark gray there's black um same thing with all these different things and we we really tried to price this in a way that is affordable for everyone there was a minimum amount and being more transparent than I probably should be, but I want no, to be. I, I'm appreciating we, that you do this. Yeah. We really don't care as much of, in terms of the financial portion. We just are really appreciative in terms of how people interact with our brands. And if you are comfortable wearing our brand that represents you in such a way, we want to eliminate all barriers for that to happen. And unfortunately, we cannot do that where it's free because there is a minimum amount, but that's essentially where we're at. And, uh, we appreciate any contributions. And if you do decide to go through with buying it, send us a photo, tweet it out. We'll obviously repost it and share the love with you. So perfect thing for uh, Black Friday and, and any consumerism that you need this holiday season. I got to, I would just want to say like, I, Jeremy and, and the Lord above my, as my witness, my reaction when I first saw this stuff was like, holy shit, I want to wear this. And it's not just because I'm like, you know, obviously part of next film school and the whole thing. The stuff looks really good. If I if I can go so far as to say, like the iconic um picture of Jennifer Aniston, like the Knicks sweatshirt uh from the friends in, in the nineties, <laughs> this stuff gives me that that those vibes. Um it's just take a look for yourself. If you hate it, you hate it and obviously don't get it. Um, but this is, I'm really excited and I think people are going to really love this stuff. And I'll just say again, so the website, Nick, singular Nick film school, S K O L O S K O O L or, and I just tried it to double check. If you Google Nick's film school store, our old T public score still comes up as the first thing. Don't, I mean, you can still, get this if you want to but if you go right below that there is the website so all of the new merch all of the new rebranded stuff um you could just google again nick's film school store and it's the second thing that comes up but you know and uh yeah so check it out we hope you love it and um yeah we're excited to to see people wearing it that's it that's it Anything else? And we got we got one more. Oh no, I guess we don't. Uh, no, we say uh, we have Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. There it is. Yeah, 
So, um, yeah, y'all, y'all will hear from me uh, after the Wolves game. I am honestly not sure what the rest of the podcast schedule for the week is looking like. I'm sure we got something going on. Uh, but for anybody who we may not or who may not hear from us again or may not tune in or whatever, um, safe, happy, healthy Thanksgiving. And uh, we appreciate you. We, we are thankful for, for you guys letting us do what we do. Um, Because obviously we wouldn't wouldn't be able to do without you. So thanks so much. Take care. And uh, I'll talk to you soon.